0: Welcome to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast. A podcast all about real life together.
1: Did you it, this isn't recording, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say something. I I don't want it recorded. <laughs> well now, now you have to share. I'm terrified at the
0: B-roll that Brandon has taught from us doing sound checks.
2: <laughs> oh. uh. Okay,
0: well, hey, welcome everybody to the CPC Together Podcast. Wow, we are in for a treat today because we have a very special guest. Not only do we have Kevin Sneed, but we have Pastor Dan Reed.:
1: Oh, that and was a Dan, very nice introduction, Brandon. Thank it's you.: It's not done yet.: oh. Everyone is
0: actually wondering <laughs> <It's not. laughs> Everyone is wondering, is your, first is your real name Daniel?
2: It is. Wow. Yeah. You know what's funny? We didn't even plan this, but I legit was thinking that this morning. I was like, is his name Daniel? And I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know the answer to that. It is.
1: And I I one time asked my parents, I said, did you name me after Daniel in the Bible? And they said, no, we just like the name. (laughs) Just (laughs) Just like the name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, Dan, there was no meaning to us picking (laughs) your name. We drew it out of a hat. Um, Everything you need to know about Dan... He's from Wisconsin, which I remember when I lived in Iowa, that's where we would go to ski. Because you guys had slightly bigger hills. Than... Slightly bigger hills. Yeah. yeah, there's
1: no mountain in Wisconsin. <laughs> they both sound cold. That's all I know.
0: <laughs> also, um, Dan and I are in, in one meeting every single week together on Tuesdays. And, and every single week, he brings in the exact same thing to eat. He brings a big block of cheddar cheese. It's
1: not that big. <laughs>
0: It's a uh, wedge. It's not a block. A uh, wedge. <laughs> and some other kind of dairy. I forget. It's yogurt. Yogurt. And yeah. he puts the block of cheese in the yogurt. In the yogurt. Like it's just sitting there.
2: You don't need them together, but it's in the same container. <laughs> I Yes. And I have berries, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. Is, it a, is
1: it a nice Greek yogurt? <laughs> uh, it's the Trader Joe's plain. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it is Greek.
2: Yeah. Sometimes yeah, there's other fruit, yeah.
0: like a grape. Like sometimes yeah. you'll have one
1: grape in <laughs> <and> there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: one grape amongst uh, fruit, the berries? Fruit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just to set it up, make it a little more, a better presentation. <laughs> anyway, that's mostly everything you need to know about Dan. Yeah, that's really, but <laughs> did know. you ever notice anything I might say in the meeting? <laughs> you know, like, anything I might contribute? Do you ever? Is there any other way that I would encourage you? That I would encourage you outside of that. That one day when I didn't nope, bring just that, the wedge, just the wedge of cheese. <laughs> yeah, and the one day when I brought soup. I mean, you freaked out. Yeah, it was. Well, you messed with my rhythm. Yeah, I, yeah. You
0: can't mess with a guy like that. Well, I know. I think it threw you the whole meeting. <laughs> it I don't my, think you your, ever got
1: back on track. <laughs>
0: your cheese block has become my security blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. uh, but um, we're, we're really excited, actually, Dan, to sort of talk about your message that you had yesterday. And um, you started off with uh, this story about John Wesley and him being in this thing called the Holy Club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever been in a Holy Club?
1: Just with Swiss cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know if it would be an exact uh, comparison, but you know, in college, I came to faith through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I wouldn't call that a holy club. You know, we had Campus Crusade. Now, remember, I'm 18 years old. We had Campus Crusade. uh, We had Navigators. We had InterVarsity. And we had one other. I think they might have been a cult, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we were a club, and out of that club came, uh, in the years we were there, that chapter grew. Um, 11 marriages came out of that club. Wow. Yeah, including my own. Wow. And uh, it was, they're all, and everybody's still married, which is awesome. <laughs> it and worked uh, out all right. Yeah, and several um, missionaries and pastors came out of that group. Well, what the point of that story, though, is you
0: were talking about how, like, Uh, people sort of uh, sensed that he was extra holy, or that this this group of holy uh, people that were in this club were sort of set apart somehow, uh, but inside his head you said that he was kind of different. He was experiencing something different on the inside. He wasn't feeling all that holy. And that's kind of where you go into this this idea of um, our guilt and how we get stuck Mm -hmm. in the midst of our sin. And it doesn't always we don't always show that to other people, right? That's right. That's kind of what you were saying. Yeah. One of the things that you started with that kind of blew me away is that study that you mentioned about the Harvard, uh, the, is it the Harvard study? Yeah, it was with, a Harvard study. And it was, it was why like ministers go into ministry. What was it again?
1: People, uh, why people go into full-time Christian service. Yeah. Now I don't know how scientific this study was. I don't know. I was just in my in my research for this message. I came across this, and it was just so interesting to me because it actually it 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 really didn't. Kevin and I were talking about this. It didn't really fit my experience. Mm. I, I wanted to grow closer to the Lord. I wanted to do more. I wanted more time to do more ministry. I wanted more training. It's what I loved. It's what I, I felt passionate about, and that's why I pursued. More education, and then full time Christian service.
0: So, what did it actually say? To, for those that may have missed it, what did the study actually say?
1: It said, "It said this. It said uh, the vast majority of people. They did a survey. The vast majority of people who go into full time Christian service are motivated by their uh, lack of uh, uh, security. Their 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 mm-hmm. their sense of." You know they needed help they need you know they wanted to find answers, and that's what took them there so it was to, it was to solve their own issues yeah,
2: yeah it's yeah. interesting you know I went to a private christian college um for my undergrad, and so there Willie was Willie j baby Willie j and so there was a lot of those going into ministry at least that you know I'm wondering if InterVarsity had a higher a higher percentage who went into ministry than even at william jessup but oh, but it's interesting to get through because I, I remember listening to to classmates or whatnot that talked about ministry and they they probably wouldn't have said it this way then, but there was a sense in which they wanted to um, almost like it was like an, almost like a works thing. Like they wanted to earn their salvation. Mm. And so it became more of that guilt ridden. Like if I go to ministry, then then I must have arrived. Like Mm -hmm. pastors must have it figured out or those in full-time ministry must have their faith thing figured out. And so it was a way to almost kind of numb that, um, Uncertainty that they had or that doubt they had was just to drive into and like, you know, go out of guilt to say, I'm going to get in the ministry and then my faith will follow, which again, we just know that's, it's not a, it's not a healthy posture not right, a healthy to go posture. into that because yeah. there isn't that internal change yeah. as you were talking about. Yeah. You know, and of... as
1: Wesley experienced. Yeah, exactly. In his
2: life. Yeah.
0: I remember being a young pup <laughs> way back in the day. Is you that know? your,
2: uh, is that your... Is that your musician name, Young Pup? <laughs> Can I call you Young Pup? <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, I, was, I was like maybe 18, I think I was 18 years old, and I was at a church. And I had only been at these tiny little country churches that my dad always worked at. And this, this church was this massive, and to, to me, it was a massive church in, in San Jose. It was really only about three or 400 people. But to me, it was the biggest church I'd ever seen. And they were trying to find trumpet players to play for their Easter service. Mm. And they were paying like $100 or something like that. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you get paid to play you music in church. Gold. So I go over there and audition, and it turns out I'm not good at trumpet. I only played for one year. And so he was like, no, you're not, gonna, you're not hired. And I'm like, bummer. And... <laughs> And then he said and That's when uh, the therapy started. Then <laughs> <laughs> he said, What else do you do? Do you do you like do you sing? Or and yeah. I was like, Yeah, I sing, and I play drums and a little piano and stuff. And so he heard me sing and he ended up hiring me to do something else. And so uh like work with their choir or something. And so as I uh as I progressed he started getting me into leading worship and eventually something happened to him and I still don't know what happened to him, but he left. And so they looked at me, and they're like, hey, uh, can you like lead worship while we're trying to figure out what we're going to do? And I was like, I guess. Never occurred to me that I would ever work for a church or go into, what you call it, Christian service. But I remember a guy talking to me, um, asking what I want to do with my life, and he clearly wanted me to work for church. And I said, well, I want to go and be an artist. I want to go write songs and go out into the world and do my thing. And he goes, well... Wouldn't you rather use your music for God? Hmm. And I was like, uh, I guess so. I mean, I didn't I didn't consider that I wasn't using it for God if I went out and did yeah. it anywhere else. Yeah. I was like, yeah. well, yeah. I think if you're doing it within the the walls of the church, you know, it's it's extra special to God wow. kind of thing. Yeah. And uh I'm not going to say that's the moment that I was like, okay, ministry, but yeah. in light of your study like there was a piece of me that was like kind of guilted into. I hope that doesn't get me fired here, but guilted into going into ministry that way. And it wasn't until years later that I actually found a passion for what it means to to actually be in ministry. Mm-hmm. But uh, you described this uh, being lost in our sin. You kind of uh, the psalmist in Psalm one thirty painted the picture of of what it means to just be kind of stuck, and he used all this water um, image imagery of being lost as kind of being underwater, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what he's picturing is uh, imagine the, the darkest, more, most horrible place you could be, and that is the separation from God, that, that dark depths. And it's interesting in, in, in my study, I've heard this a couple of times, is that uh, you know the Hebrews weren't seafaring people, and they had a fear of the water. And uh so, you know, I I don't even know if Israel has a navy today. I don't know if they even (laughs) do the question. (laughs) But anyway, they uh that that that's how they imagined. Uh the, the worst it could be would be uh the depths and so that depths actually in the original language has that idea of being underwater being deep underwater drowning entangled down in the in the weeds underwater mm-hmm. and that's that's the picture and so i just i just see him imagining the the, the toughest place you could ever be because you're the biggest need in your life is not being uh, being met when you're mm-hmm. in the depths apart from god you
0: know? now as a as a Pastor for many years, you've seen a lot of people um, make their way through life. Do you feel like this moment of sort of being stuck or lost in your sin, or or as you called it, being crushed with guilt? Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that's a, a thing that's pretty common? Or do you think that's a thing that only happens to some people?
1: You know, one of the things we, we were talking about is that guilt is both objective and subjective. And I mean when we do something wrong. We're guilty. We've we've violated some law. You know, as Christians, we've violated God's law. I mean, it's true. Whether we feel guilty or not, we've we're still in a posture of being guilt and that guilty, and that guilt has to be removed in some way. And we probably get into that a little bit later. Uh, But guilt is, I think, very healthy. When I think of our society. when anything goes, we have what I would say in society, a pretty low view of God, and therefore a pretty low view of sin, and I don't think uh, guilt has that, uh, that the teeth in society that it has in Christian circles, but still, there's something there, because the scripture describes that uh, you know, worldly guilt leads to, uh, to death, despair so there is something there but for christians i don't know if it's it's, it's fair to say I, i'll go ahead and say it i think there's a there's a good guilt there's a good guilt uh where i i feel bad about my sin i'm mourning my sin oh i know i'm forgiven uh i i know god when i call out to him on faith he he forgives my sins he relieves my guilt uh but there is a there is this notion of Okay, I've got to sit in sit in those feelings for a little bit and understand those feelings so that I can come out on the other end mm. into life. And and you know I think Paul talks about that in uh 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He talks about, you know, godly sorrow and how that leads to repentance and it leads to life. Yeah. So, it's really a it you know it, guilt isn't Bad or good it's just it's just, yeah. just there it's how we align and allow the Holy Spirit to work in that in that season in order to bring us back to yeah. him yeah
2: maybe another way to say it that as I'm listening is like guilt isn't a place to live but it, it's a place in which we we have the opportunity to yeah. change yeah. Where, how we live right yeah. and and even as you were talking kind of culturally you know I think I actually think the guilt thing is, is actually, like, I don't, I don't know many who would argue we don't have guilt, like, I think we feel it, like there's a sense mm-hmm. in which there's an intuitive kind of aspect to guilt where we recognize the brokenness in the world, yeah. and where I'm going to go this coming Sunday, um, as we close the Lent season, um, Lent, in this Lent series, is our culture really, it has this, it's riddled with guilt, but because it doesn't have the objective kind of standard of this is right and wrong, we don't have any way to, to deal with the guilt, yeah. And so we feel the brokenness, we feel that sense of, um, of that something's off, that we're culpable for some sort of brokenness, but there's no, without an objective standard of right and wrong, where when we are all our own yeah. gods, um, the own, like when we are all our own arbiter of right and wrong, there's no way to take that guilt and then do something about it. There's no way to atone for that, uh, where again, the Christian story, the hope we have is to say, no, there's someone who has come, who has atoned for that guilt. And that guilt then becomes um, almost like an indicator light of like yeah. how now it's like, yeah, there's something wrong within me and I can't live there. I need to grow and change. Um, but if I'm the own arbiter of my right and wrong um, and I don't have some sort of objective standard of right and wrong, I can't ever deal with the guilt that I have. And I think that's the, the, the hopeful aspect of guilt um, is conviction, right, of knowing yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something's off here. I need to go find help. Um, and we'll see that again I, this Sunday. I'll, I'll go a little bit there
1: um, and try to wrestle with, yeah, what do we do with that? You know, um, it's think good. Think of the sad place that the world is in if they have that conviction, but they don't have God's spirit doing the convicting <laughs> yeah. to lead them to repentance, yeah. to lead them to uh, bringing their brokenness, bringing mm-hmm. their hopelessness to God yeah. in order to be lifted out of the out of the depths. Yeah, yeah. there's a the despair that sets yeah. in. right? I, yeah. I think,
2: honestly, I think that's why younger generations um, – I see that like a rise of nihilism where like everything's meaningless, um, right? I see that more and more with young people. And I think it's connected to this idea of guilt where they recognize the guilt. They have no way to handle it. And so in that void, they just say everything's meaningless. Life yeah. is And they convince themselves
0: that they don't care.
2: Yeah, there's nothing to yeah. live for because what other option do they have? It's a coping, yeah, it's a way yeah. to yeah. cope with it all. Yeah, which is, you know, just devastating. <clears throat> you know,
1: it's devastating. You know, I was thinking about, uh, see, I grew up, just kind of b- barely in and out of church, okay? And knew nothing about lent. I mean, mm-hmm. when I thought of lent, I thought of something in my pocket, you know. That, <laughs> <laughs> kind of L-I-N-T. The lint trap, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh I mean, it's just what in the world is that all about? Speaking of which, I just saw a,
0: a meme that said I've come to believe that that lint dryer lint is just all of my missing socks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Well, where was I going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
1: dear. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so, so Lent. <laughs> so uh, no understanding of that. And then, okay, here I am, you know, got saved, you know, evangelical church, uh, went to seminary, uh, I'm pastoring in a church, and we get involved with uh, in, the, in the ecumenical service mm. every Good Friday. Mm. And so we kind of trade off. All the pastors meet together. We plan a service, have it for the community. It's great. It's a great way to connect. And um, we're planning this Good Friday, and it, we had a really good worship band in our church. and uh, Not like now. <laughs> Boy, did it have a trumpet player? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh but it they sounded like abba oh yeah yeah do you guys remember abba oh yeah Yeah, totally no no you don't know about abba i know of abba i don't know if
2: i could there pick a song out i'm gonna get ridiculed for that sos okay
1: yeah 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 yeah
2: Yeah, i was about to hum it but i what's their biggest hit i'm trying Um, to think
1: what is their best hit uh dancing queen that's your oh, best. Oh. One. oh yeah, okay. yeah, that's happening. Okay. Okay. That's Kevin's jam. You for that's sure so that. That's Yeah, 100%. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's my alarm clock. That's
2: what I wake up to. Or, <laughs> it's your phone, it's your ringtone. <laughs> my ringtone. Whatever Brandon calls me. Dancing Queen goes off. <laughs> yeah. Oh.
1: Well, anyway, uh, so I'm back at this uh, meeting of, we're planning a Good Friday service. And because we had this great band, uh, you know, we were going to do the music for it. And so um, I started naming off some songs and they're very Easter-like songs mm-hmm. and they're very, c- uh, c- how do I say it? Celebrative. Celebratory. Celebratory. Hey, yeah. <laughs> okay, PhD. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so I had this friend on the, on the team that was a Lutheran pastor and he just said, he said, stop. Messing with my Lent, stop messing with my mm. Good Friday. I need oh. to grieve, I need to sacrifice, mm. I need to reflect, or, or it's gonna, I, I won't have anything to celebrate on Easter. Mm. And that really spoke to me. And uh, from then on, I, I, I got it. I understood that there has to be this, this season. And Kevin, I'm so glad you brought this preaching series to mm. us and had us reflect here as a church on all these things that are really uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. know we we've been kind of in a in a tunnel mm-hmm. you know as we're going through this and but we see Easter uh, on the horizon, horizon. right yeah. uh, at the end. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was even prepping this week in writing the you know the fourth sermon
2: in this series and and my heart went there too of like I'm I I'm almost ready for Easter, you know, where I feel like yeah. we've been in this topic of confession but there's something too what, what your friend said of like we without feeling this shadow side, we don't understand the light, right? Without feeling the sorrow, we don't feel the joy. Um, You know, in some ways, maybe like a kind of a silly example, but like I loved the Pixar movie Inside Out. Yeah, 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 that's a great one. one. Uh, Where it's that recognition, right? Of like to feel joy, you need sadness. And and I think that's true in the Christian faith. And we sometimes, um, again, because we have the greatest story to celebrate, because we have this great hope, we can mask the human experience we can mask the guilt and the pain and the hurt uh, without ever diving into and, it yeah. but yet again our great christian hope is that jesus died like there is that underside to it and all of life right is this idea that from death comes life and and without the death we can't experience the life and so we have to go in to that kind of dark you know the shadows as we yeah. call
0: it in this series to experience the light yeah. i remember um, a a worship friend of mine who who's also a worship pastor he said um, he said that there's no place in the worship service for lament. Hmm. That mm-hmm. we should not lament. We should always keep it high energy, yep. always keep it joyful and I just remember thinking, man, I'm doing it wrong. But that makes me think uh, about something else you said, Dan, and you talked about this idea of reverence. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I had this the opportunity to be part of a family um, memorial, and a lot of them were Catholic, and so we did it at a Catholic church. And even just walking into a Catholic church, you feel this kind of, um, there's a sacredness and a reverence when you walk in. And it just was so interesting, because I never have that opportunity. When you walk into you know an average evangelical church, I'm not saying this is necessarily bad, but you hear music that's meant to kind of pep you up, and there's, you know, lights in the room and everything is just. It kind of feels it's like
1: celib- it's a celebration service.
0: Yeah, often. yeah. We use that term.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so it makes me kind of wonder: have we have we completely kind of gotten rid of of reverence? And your in your message, you talk about this idea of reverent fear that we need to have this reverent fear that um, kind of helps leads us to be serving God. W- where do you think we are yeah. in the church world right now with that?
1: I think circumstances around us in our world has that has been a really a positive effect. I think we're coming back and it it just it just rings hollow sometimes to me to to just no it's like no matter what's going on out there if we were to you know stand up and begin a worship service with you know just this is a party you know we're i I think there's a there's a need it's again it to me it goes back to a high view of God uh who took the law seriously when he gave us the law, the law was violated. That's why Christ came to save us from our, our sin. And when we come to worship, it's, you know, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Mm-hmm. I think, I think to get back to that, uh, in, in a, in a, a regular way is really important for us to do to remember who, you know, who are worshiping here, his majesty. And, uh, So, again, I'm not against any, you know, humor or fun or laughter in the church. I love that. But I think we just need to understand the season and and understand our times. I mean, what was on the news even today tied up dead bodies in the streets of Kiev. You know, it's just, what is, you know, we haven't seen that since World War II in Europe. And, uh, you know, and then just go on down the line. But, you know, COVID humbled us. And you can't, like those sorts of circumstances, you can't just...
2: Like over, like celebrate through, right? Like we get the hope we have, but yet at the same time, there's a very real reality. Like you know, when Paul says, you know, "Oh, death wears your sting," Mm -hmm. Um, he's talking about you know when you know the future to come, about about the age to come. He's not talking about now. Like death sting, we do still feel that. We do still feel that now. Before new creation, before resurrection, and and so when he's saying death wears your sting, he's speaking of the resurrected life. We're not there yet. We do feel, still feel the sting. We feel that pain of Kiev and, and Ukraine and, and just all the suffering that our world is, is experiencing. And you know, it, it's fascinating to me the way that the Christian story has the ability to absorb all of that. Um, and not even to absorb, but to meet us in that. Um, we don't have to celebrate and, and rush past it, um, but we can actually enter into that fully aware with an eye on the horizon that God's going to heal it. And that's a powerful thing to recognize like we don't have to skirt that reality. And I think sometimes we get trapped in that celebratory mode mm. um without entering the depths. But but we can do both. You know, yes, you we can, can you can hold both of those and that's Good Friday and Easter. The yeah. tension of three days, yeah. right? Yeah. Um where we feel that from both the pain of the cross but the elation of the garden you know and the resurrection.
0: Yeah, I can I can tell you as a worship leader, I have felt that tension for years. And actually, there's probably a season of my leadership where I would describe myself more as an energy creator than a worship leader, <laughs> more as a cheerleader than yeah. a worship leader. And and Was that on your business cards? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Chief energy creator.
0: <laughs> um, but, you know, like what you guys are talking about, things happening in the world, I've been actually, I've been changing the way I plan worship sets recently to match where I feel like people are coming in Mm -hmm. uh, because there's nothing worse than when you're coming in and there's been some tragedy Mm -hmm. or maybe you're just not feeling connected to God. And we start with when you were talking about dancing queen. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I was taught thinking about this Chris Tomlin song. I don't know if you guys remember this God's great dance floor.
1: Oh yeah. I'm coming (laughs) on God's great (laughs)
0: dance floor. And I, first of all, I hate that song. (laughs) It was really popular for a while, but like, can you imagine you come in, and you're just yeah. like, God, I just, I need to yeah. hear your voice, yeah. and the worship leader's like, Come on, let's join God's great dance floor. It just feels like obtuse. are yeah. like what are you doing? Yeah. Like that's not doesn't match what what's happening yeah, yeah, right yeah. now at all. So Dan, <laughs> yeah. you kind of ended um, on this this idea that you know um, we have to wait for God, but we can wait knowing that. Yeah. God is going to deliver us, yeah. and really, what this comes down to is is our trust. It is and that we we trust God. Um, where would you leave people that, that are that are maybe maybe there are people listening right now that feel like they're stuck in that pit? Maybe yeah. they they actually feel like they're crushed with guilt, and their self worth is is in the pit, and they don't know what to do. Um, sometimes just saying you just got to trust God that just feels like what yeah. we were talking about, you know. What would you say to all those people that are that are in that space
1: well what does what does trusting God look like uh, how what is evidence of trusting god and and i think I think it begins with r- very very simple I, am I going to believe his promises or not? Mm-hmm. It starts there um, who did Jesus say he was? what are god's promises for those when he says uh you know, wait, like the, the watchman, you know, wait, wait, wait. And, uh, you know, mercies are new every morning. You'll get through the night, even though there's weeping in the night, you'll get through the night. Morning will come. Why? How do we know that? Because he promised. So it, it's so critical that we, we have, you know, healthy internalization of scripture, of truth, mm-hmm. and that it, it just renews our minds. And it, it, it it changes our outlook and and I need that from multiple sources I need to, to hear it on on Sunday from a from a good preacher who's preaching the word I need to be in the word myself I need to be in community where we're discussing it even just what we're doing here helps solidify my uh, you know my trust in God and that he's working he continues to work um, with that uh, I think again it, to me a very big part of this is, is, that, is that high view of god that 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 reverence for him and that reverence leads to, to service uh but where do we where do we put ourselves in a position where uh we can experience uh the, the awe of of who God is and what he's done mm-hmm. and that's in worship you know so that's 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 why we come together to worship I remember um I was sitting uh, I, was, I worked one summer in Yosemite, and we did some ministry up there, and we took jobs, and it was great, great summer. And it was a drought year, and we uh, did a lot of hiking uh, on our days off. and So we got up to the top of Yosemite Falls, and because it was a drought, the falls was just like a, a garden hose. That's how much water was going over the edge. It was late in the summer. So you could actually make your way down and actually be right where in the, like in the spring where it would be rushing, you could just stand there and your feet are barely getting wet. And you'd look around at at how that water over, you know, thousands of years had had changed the the shape of the rock. And, and it was just, it was awesome. Right. It was, I, I was in awe and we were, we were worshiping and doing ministry. So we were really connected to God that summer. And, and, yet also you could you could get down front where i could i could have i could have fallen off the falls that you know I'm right at the crest, but I always stayed back there was a little bit of you know I had to have that safety you know that I didn't get too close and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking you know that that idea of reverence is there there's that holy fear hmm. that i'm I'm in this beautiful place with God and I'm very safe here, but i know where I know where I cross that i know i know the 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 violation of the law. I also know what Christ did to save me from the law. You know, He satisfied the law. He fulfilled the law. I get that, but there's just this this notion in my mind that, uh, you know, I don't want to disappoint Him. You know, I don't want to go into someplace dangerous. I don't want to go off the edge and do something that disappoints Him. I'm I know I'm forgiven. I you know I know He's He's done what He needs to do to forgive my guilt, and He's given me a, a pathway to be relieved of those feelings. Forgiving myself, forgiving others, relieving my guilt, but I love this idea that uh, being in awe of God is respecting His boundaries mm. and being safe and 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 understanding what that is and saying, you know, it's not about He's going to judge me uh, and 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 punish me in hell because I know I'm I'm justified before God because of Christ, but I, I don't want anything to cloud my relationship with him anything i don't want him to be disappointed i and that's what leads to that service at that that the psalmist was writing about is i want to serve him wholeheartedly so yeah the
0: fear is that you're gonna miss out on something almost it's like uh it's good yeah that's 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 really good i don't know that there's anything that we could say to make that any better kevin that's pretty good wow um Well, thank you guys for joining us, and um, again, if you like these conversations, please let us know. Um, Dan specifically, you know, let Dan know, because he really likes to hear that stuff. (laughs) Um, So, but thanks for checking in, and we'll be back next week after Kevin's message on Palm Sunday. Don't miss it, and we'll talk to you guys later.